Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace. And Father, we thank you. Thank you for utterance to speak your Word, to teach your Word today. We thank you, O God, for the ability to minister as your new covenant, to minister your New Testament, to minister the gospel. Thank you, O Father, that our hearts will be fertile grounds and will receive the seed of your word. And it will bed new lives, it will bed new habits, it will bed new revelation, and we will see our lives exactly how you have designed it to be. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So we've called it the Family Series, and today will just be like a lecture, a teaching, so please just bear with me. Um, uh, I've talked today, uh, the family series, Radical uh, Relational Reordering. Radical Relational Reordering. And um, I see that in the Bible, um, there are a lot of, there's a lot of shadowing using family relationships and connections um, to explain deeper truths and deeper revelations. But one thing we must and what I will try to do today, in fact, if you do not follow me carefully, you would actually think that, um, you may actually think after this teaching that maybe I don't even want you to be married or I don't believe in family. But I want you to follow me carefully. Um, because I just want us to understand certain things. So in the Bible, we see um, certain shadowing, certain examples, certain role modeling of of deeper truths and deeper revelations based on uh, connections and relationships in the Bible. For instance, the Bible says that we are the bride of Christ, right? Um, just to explain a deeper revelation and a relationship, okay? The Bible talks about the husbands in Ephesians 5, um, love your wife as Christ loved the church, right? Um, the Bible also says, wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord, as in everything. So we see these connections of husband and wife, um, of wife and husband. We see the connection of parents and children, where the Bible talks about uh, father-son relationship. Um, and we must be careful to not uphold the shadow more than the revelation. Do we understand? So tonight I'll try and just lead us to see that the revelation is what upholds the shadow. Right? Without that object, right, the object of the tree, there will be no shadow of the tree. In fact, it's because there is that object of that tree that there is the shadow of that tree. For instance, um, uh, the, the, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, right? It's a shadow of the New Testament that will be revealed, right? And in, of course, the New Testament is Old Testament revealed. So it doesn't mean that we would do away with the Old Testament. Do we understand? Because the idea is that if you truly follow, um, the job of the shadow, in any case, is still to lead you back to the tree. Do we understand? And that's the same thing with the Old Testament. That's the same thing with the law. 
the law is actually to take us back to the place of grace for us to know that this journey uh, with um, knowing God and coming into the fullness of God we cannot do it on our own so we keep seeing that shadowing um, all over the scriptures you know father son um, the Bible says um, what manner of what manner of love has been given unto us that we may be called the sons of God why I'm saying this is that you have we have seen many people including myself you know you have I have found myself in a place where I judge my relationship with God based on how my relationship with my father was. So because um, maybe I had a discipline, my father was a disciplinarian, my father was strict, or because of the cultural or traditional way we are brought up in Africa where you cannot ask questions, you don't, have ne- you don't necessarily have... Uh, a relationship with your father or with your mother you know sometimes we find that we bring that thing to our relationship with God is that correct so um, that is something that we need to be very careful about so we, we find it difficult to I mean we don't question our parents we're thought not to question authority so when you come to God you you don't know how to uh, ask questions you don't know how to communicate you don't know how to build a relationship with someone who is, yes, your father, but he's your God, but he's also your father. Someone who loves you and who wants to actually commune and relate with you. Hallelujah. Um, we also see this. So let me give... Uh, some baseline things that I would say, and I will say them at the end again. A radical relational reordering. All right? So, I did a lot of research. I didn't really do a lot of research, though, but most of what you would hear is an outcome of research. So, number one, the family of God grows not by propagation through sexual intercourse or reproduction but by regeneration through faith in Christ. The family of God grows not by propagation through sexual intercourse or that's biological reproduction, but by regeneration through faith in Christ. Number two, relationships in Christ are more permanent and more precious than relationships in families. All right, like I said, some things I, I would say may throw you off, but please just stay with me in this lecture this morning. Number three, the marriage is temporal. The marriage is temporal and and finally gives way to the relationship to which it was pointing all along, which is Christ and the church. Do we understand? Marriage is temporal and it gives way to what it was pointing. Remember what I said before, that these things were, we we have these things a shadow of a, a greater and a more real revelation. Do we understand? So that when the picture, the way that you do not longer need a picture when you see what something, you don't know, you don't no longer, you don't, you don't need the shadow anymore when you are now with the object. Do we understand? So therefore, like I said, the the man, the, the relationship between the husband and the wife is a shadowing, is a an example, it's a typification of Christ 
and the church so that when we are in heaven we have now seen the object right so therefore there will be no need for the shadow so therefore like i said marriage is temporary and gives way to the relationship to which it was pointing all along number four that faithfulness to christ defines the value of life right it defines all other relationships and they all get their final significance from this so no family relationship is ultimate what is ultimate is our relationship to christ hallelujah hallelujah all right so we're going to be looking at some scriptures and trying to um learn and make this make sense to us and i believe that the spirit of god will help us this morning amen so i'm going to i'm going to um just go through some scriptures and we're going to see how what the emphasis was in the old testament in the way that god wanted to keep um his covenant with his people all right So we're looking at the created order which which God put in place before sin was in the world. We're going to look at the creation. Let's look at Genesis 1:28. So we'll see that in the Old Testament that God is primarily building his covenant people through the mechanism of procreation. All right? And this is the instruction that he gives in Genesis 1:28. He says, "Be fruitful and multiply." right talking about adam fill the earth and subdue it have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the beds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth so we see that in the old testament the instruction is about be fruitful multiply do we understand if you look at genesis 2:18 so this is we can see this thing again this is creation even before even before uh, Eve came on the scene, uh, God had said that it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper comparable for him. So, and at this point in time, what we are seeing is the need for procreation, the need for a wife, the need for children. Multiply. Fill the earth. Let's look at Abraham and Isaac. If you look at... Um, uh, Genesis 15:5, when Abraham was chosen as the father of God's people, God took him out and showed him the stars, and He said, "Look now toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to number them." And He said to him, "So shall your descendants be. So shall your descendants be." All right. Even when um, God had a pattern, there was a pattern to reproduce. There was a pattern to procreate. If you look at, uh, even when uh, God gave an instruction to Abraham to say you must bear a son through God's design. Even when he went through, um, was it what, what, Haggai? Yeah. Uh, and she gave birth to Ishmael. God still said no. You must follow the way of procreation. The way that I want it. Genesis 26, 26 verse 3. We see God reaffirm the same thing to Isaac. He says, I will be with you and bless you. 
for to you and to your offspring to your offspring so we see that um, that leading again that guiding again for procreation to you and your offspring i will give all these lands and i will establish the oath that i swore to abraham your father so again we see that physical offspring is crucial to the covenant it's crucial to the instruction that is given all right i hope you guys are with me yeah i told you this is a, more like a lecture so david and saul let's look at david and saul um, we'll be looking at first samuel 24 verse 21 again we see that that offspring are crucial not only for the preservation of covenant but also because um, a person's name would end without children. So yeah, we're going to look at, we're going to see some of that in the, in the next few examples. So therefore, swear now by me, um, by the Lord, that you will not cut off my descendants after me, and that you will not destroy my name from my father's house. Hallelujah. All right. Okay. We'll go again and we'll look at the story of Ruth. And in the story of Ruth, we see the, the essence of what is called a leverage marriage. A leverage marriage. A leverage marriage is the marriage of a man to his deceased brother's wife so that the name of the deceased brother would not be lost. Alright? So the rule was that the first son born would bear the dead brother's name. So once again, we see that need for the sustenance of name of covenant through, uh, through that reproduction. Uh, let's see Deuteronomy 25 verse 26. Deuteronomy 25 tw- verse 6, sorry. De- Deuteronomy 25 6. And after that, we'll look at an example of that in Ruth 4.10. So, uh, Deuteronomy 25, 60, And it shall be that the firstborn son, which he bears, will succeed to the name of his dead brother, that his name may not be blotted out of Israel. Alright? So, we see this example again, talking about the story of, um, of Ruth, when she lost her husband, and she was being asked to remarry again. If you can look at Ruth, uh, 4 verse 10 Ruth 4 verse 10 Say, so moreover Ruth the, Moab, the Moabites the widow of Malon I have, required, I have acquired as my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance that the name of the dead may not be cut off from his brethren and from his position at the gate you are witnesses this day. So we can see that uh, ensuring that marriage and a name was kept had to be done. And another thing I want you to note from this scripture is his inheritance. So we can see that there was a way to ensure that inheritance was passed on. There's also another interesting example. Um, we can see that from Judges 11. If you can notice, most of the most of the text that I'm reading are from the Old Testament, Judges 11:35. This speaks of Jephthah's daughter. Um, 
and shows how crucial marriage and offspring and the preservation of a name and an inheritance were in Israel. And it came to pass, when he saw her, he tore her, his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low. You are among those who trouble me. Is that my scripture? 37. 37, 38, please. And she said to her father, Let this thing be done for me. Let me alone for two months, that I may go and wander in the mountains and bewail my virginity, my friends and I. And he said, Go. That is 38a. Why was she crying? Because she, I think she was about to die and she was a virgin. She had not married. It was a matter. Do you understand? She, was, she had not married. She had not given birth to children. So this is how important this matter is in the Old Covenant. Because a name will not be preserved. An inheritance will not be preserved. Right? A covenant will not be passed on to the next generation. She has to go two months to the mountains and weep for her virginity. Wow. Don't tempt me this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now we're going to come to the New Testament. Alright? And we're going to look at, we're going to, we're going to hear from Christ, we're going to hear from Paul, and we're going to hear from Peter. And we're going to see that no longer will, will the people of God be produced by physical procreation, but by spiritual regeneration. Hallelujah. Let's look at John 3.3. This is Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. John 3, and Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. So we see that, in fact, you know, when I looked at this, um, this understanding and revelation, I began to really understand why it's called born again. I remember, if you remember the scripture, Nicodemus asked that, do I have to go into? So, it's not just about translation. It means that even the Hebrew, the Hebrew translation of the word born again could make Nicodemus think that he had to go into his mother's womb and come back again. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. So, it's not a matter of just uh, the, the translation of the text. So, it tells you that, uh, that our inheritance and our, our standing now is primarily on our regeneration and our being born in Christ. Amen? Amen. Look at Galatians chapter 3 verse 7. Paul talking to the Jews and the Gentiles alike. He says, Know that only those who are of faith are sons of of Abraham. Let's look at 26. He says, 
For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Can you see that? Now this is telling us that it is no longer physical descent. It is no longer biological connection that makes you part of the covenant. Are you seeing that? That you are sons by what? By through faith in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So we've heard from Paul now. Who is left? Peter. All right. First Peter 1, 3 to 4. We can see where Peter is talking about. Our inheritance does not come from marriage. It does not come from offspring. But through the work of Christ and the new birth. Blessed be the Lord God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope, right? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 4. To an inheritance incorruptible. Do you see the word inheritance there? To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you amen i wish you can bless someone with that scripture can you tell some oh, go back to verse four tell someone you have an inheritance incorruptible tell them you have an inheritance undefiled please tell them that you have an inheritance that does not fade away Tell them that you have an inheritance that is kept for you in heaven. Hallelujah. So what Jesus, Paul and Peter are all saying is that as children or as sons, how we come into God's family is not by marriage, is not by procreation, but is by... And how we come into our inheritance, that's also very important, is by faith and by regeneration so therefore it means that single people in Christ have zero disadvantage this is this is where I was coming to I'll say that again and that all I've been saying since right is that children are born into God's family, right? Not by marriage, not by procreation, and they also come into their inheritance, not by marriage, not by procreation, but by faith and by regeneration and by the finished works of Christ. Amen. Amen. Meaning that Single believers in Christ have zero disadvantage. Amen. And in some ways, may even have a better advantage. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's interesting. If you even look at the if you look at the Bible, right, you would even see where 
Paul, Paul was analyzing the matter about being single and being married, right? He was analyzing it to tell people how they can even faithfully serve and do more. You know, but he was saying, if you cannot hold yourself, go and get married. I see some people already shaking their head. No, no, don't worry. I can't hold myself. I don't, even, I don't need to pray about that. I know. So, the point is, I just want to bring us to a point where we understand, because society has put a lot of pressure on many people. And people should not think it's because I'm single I'm saying this. Ah, I was married, right? So I was single, I was married, and I'm single. So I think I can really talk about this. Abby? Yes. Uh-huh. And that I was married before also tells you that I like marriage. Mm-hmm. I married before I was uh, 30. That tells you I really like marriage. Amen. Amen. But we must come to this understanding that society has put us, many people, especially uh, the female gender, on the pressure of marriage. That you are not, you have not achieved, you are not successful, you are not complete, if you are not married. It's not true. It was true in Judges, where you will have to go and weep for two months because you cannot sustain inheritance, you cannot sustain a name because you are not married or because you cannot produce. Amen. Amen. If you look at the Bible, you will see a proliferation of genealogy coming from the Old Testament. And this begat that, and this begat. When you come to Acts, you don't see that. We don't have time for genealogies. And this begat that. In fact, all that begat ended with Christ. Because if you come to, uh, of course, you know, um, Matthew, Mark, John, Luke are in the New Testament side of the Bible, but they are not New Testament. Because they are not... Not all the parts are before the cross. But in the Gospels, we see Christ having those... It's like he's doing the... It's like he's half-time between, you know... He's having some New Testament sayings and behaviors and breaking some, some rules and, you know... He's also obeying, obeying the law, but he's also preparing the people. Healing people when it's Sabbath day. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, we see that. And if you look at those books, some of the books start with that genealogy and it ends with Christ. After that, you don't see that anymore. That's a proof to tell you that this need for marriage, for offspring, that's where it ended in the Old Testament. What is more important now is the inheritance and your regeneration and who Christ has made you to be. Amen. No wonder the Bible says we are complete in Him. Hallelujah. We are complete in Him. 
And like I said at the beginning part, we must not emphasize the, re- the, the shadow over the revelation. The revelation is Christ and his church. The shadow is the husband and his wife. Do we understand? The revelation is the father reconciling his people back to him. The father and his sons. And of course, you know why it is sons. Do you know why it is sons? Not sons and daughters. So you will say that we are chivalistic in the church. <laughs> oh, please allow me. Amen. So that you will say, why are, we not, why are they not saying daughters? It's still in line with what I'm talking about. Because in the Jewish law, it's only sons that are entitled to inheritance. So when we say we are sons, don't try and be a feminist by shouting, I'm a daughter. That's not the point. The point is, the point is inheritance. The point is that it's the sons that qualify for inheritance. So when we are talking about your sonship, we're talking about your inheritance. When we're talking about your sonship, we're talking that you are joint heirs with Christ. When we're talking about your sonship, we're talking about what Christ has done. What he has qualified you for. What he has redeemed you for. What he has purchased you into. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We must understand these revelations. This is so key. This is so key for us. So please, do not be bent into the narrative of society that bends you and makes you feel unfulfilled and makes you feel like you are not complete there is something lacking that you do not qualify because you do not have a husband or a wife or children that is a lie that is you exalting the shadow more over the object amen and that's, one, that's why we keep saying that your position is greater than your experience. Your position is who you are in Christ. When we talk about experience, we're not just talking about challenging things that happen to you. We're talking about your whole life in the place of marriage, in the place of society, in the place of your work, in the relationships that you have. Your position influences everything. Amen. Amen. This is so key for us. It's key that you have this revelation before you enter marriage. Because we need complete people to marry. We don't need people that are completed by marriage. We don't need people that are completed because they have children. We want people that are completed to marry. Then they complement themselves. Completion and complementation are not the same thing. Do you understand? You must go from dependency to independency where you are complete in Christ. And then you and your wife are interdependent. Do you see that progress? From dependent to independence to interdependent. So, see, many marriages are having challenges because families are having challenges because we have uncompleted people marrying. We have broken people marrying. Marrying to prove a point. Married to qualify. Marrying to, to, you know, to be among. In fact, marrying to post on Instagram. You have not posted for two years. 
but immediately you have pre-wedding pictures. Oh my God. Pressure everywhere. You want to feel among? Please be careful with the pains and the pressure of social media. People post their best lives. I wish somebody posted a picture of when he was crying. But do people cry? Don't they cry? And why don't they post that one? Some people post themselves crying. Eh? Please stop following them. is not really it's not really a real life some people will never post themselves in their house but by the time they make mistake to enter plane ish but you don't live there now what's the problem so what does that mean people want to put their best right and some some these are the things that oh lord when will you do my own this person is married this is married oh, you know you see picture of wedding anniversary you know, perfect family pictures, and you want to push that? No. You have to find your completion. See, you are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. Please. There's a vacuum made in man that only God can fill. There's a, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. You can try, you can use relationships, you can use people, you can use activity, you can use some people, even things like exercise. They use many things. Good things, negative things, addictions to try and fill that vacuum. Like Posi, we say, man is made to be in a drunken state. You, are made, you, are, you must be addicted. That's what the Bible says. So do not be drunk with wine. We need this excess. Amplify say corruption, stupidity. <laughs> but be filled constantly by the Holy Ghost. Because human beings, man, is always meant to be in a drunken state. Amen. Each and every one of us, there's something that intoxicates us. It may be Candy Crush. It may be Instagram. Amen. Because there is that longing. And you must make sure you are deliberate about dictating your longing. Amen. So you must be complete in Him. This is the foundation of all relationships. This is what makes you a good husband, a good wife, a good father, a good mother, a good son, a good daughter. Amen. Amen. This is where we should find our definition as believers. The greatest icons of the message of grace or of the gospel we're single. Our dear Lord Jesus Christ and Apostle Paul. Look at what Apostle Paul said to his converts in 1 Corinthians 4.15. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Did you catch the point there? He was not married, but he begot. Kai. 
You know, in the Old Testament, they say, and this begat, and this begat, and this begat. This guy is not married, but he's begatting. In the gospel, this is where we should be. This is, this is, this is, this is primary, right? There's nothing wrong with marriage, nothing wrong with you. I'm not saying that. But this is the primary perspective. Amen. Check NLT. Check NLT. He says, for I became your father in Christ. I'm your father. <laughs> I know. Can Oh my God. <laughs> you know, he's not married, but he said, you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus. When what? I preached the good news to you. Hallelujah. This is primary. See, we must come to the place where we understand what is really important. See, that's what drives my service in church. and that's, that's what drives my service. I know that this is important, one. But beyond important, I know that this is what is eternal. You need to ask yourself all the things that I'm doing, you know, I'm running up and down, like my marriage, family, work. How many of these, what is the eternal value? You know. Hmm. How do I put this now? I, I think that this thing I'm saying about eternal value, there's nothing that reminds us of it apart from death, the way death does. You know me, I don't like talking about death. But, see, one of the things that helped me in my own journey with death is I have learned from death. I've had people close to me. This is before last year. But I've had people close to me that have passed on. And I've learned from each and every one of them. And the message that it sends, I don't think there's anything that can send that message. Amen? I need to move on. I don't want to stay here. But the truth is, nothing can send the message of eternal value like that. Amen? Is that true? That one day you will not see somebody again. Even the person will not see himself on this earth again. Then what would be the value of all the toiling and all the things that we have been doing? So that is what has. When people see me, oh, I'm, maybe they say I'm committed, I'm strong, or whatever, I don't know. But that is what drives me. I've come to the place. You know, of course, yes, we balance um, taking care of the world, you know, work and, and all that. We do the secondaries, but this is what primarily drives me. Think about what you're doing. What is the eternal value? What is most important? What will count? And you have to come to that place where you know that anything that you are doing that is not tied to the gospel, that is not advancing God's kingdom, that thing is unfortunately, painfully, bluntly useless. That's just the truth. So, advancing God's kingdom, fulfilling your purpose in life is more important than marriage. It's more important than procreation, bearing children. 
I give you two options. Marriage. Marry and don't fulfill your purpose. Fulfill your purpose, advance the kingdom, and don't marry. And no marriage. Which one would you take? <laughs> thank God you don't have to. You don't, thank God you don't have to make that decision before you go and choose. <laughs> what this message is to tell you is that anything you are doing, family, work, children, choice of a spouse, must be complementing what your purpose and what your design is in life. If not, there's no need. It's as simple as that. It's hard, but that's just the truth. That's just the truth. If your marriage, your family, your work is not pushing you in line to fulfill God's purpose for your life, that marriage is a hindrance. Except we say that marriage is eternal and it is more important. Let's look at more scriptures. First Thessalonians. Of course, we've talked about uh, Paul being a great father, even though he was never married. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 2 7. It says, As apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you, but instead we were like children among you, or we were like a mother feeding and carrying her own children. It's Paul calling himself a mother. Using that similar to you <laughs> amen i'll move on quickly now so it will be said of many single women in christ who have this revelation she was a great mother but she was never married if they have this revelation Amen. Amen. Society will make you think what I'm saying is crazy. But it's not. And that's why we took time to share this. You know. So I'll round up with this. We're not trying to be sentimental about singleness. Or trying to make unmarried people feel good, that's not the intention. We are just declaring and reminding us on the temporal and secondary nature of marriage and family over and against the eternal and primary nature of the work of Christ and His church. Amen. Amen. Right. Marriage and family are temporal, but church and the work of Christ is forever. Amen. Amen. Relationships based on family are temporal, but relationships based on the union of Christ are eternal. Marriage is a temporal institution, but what it stands for lasts forever. Remember, do not exalt the shadow beyond the object Matthew 22 verse 30 in resurrection this is what Jesus said 
For when the dead arise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. In this respect, they will be like angels in heaven. Just in case you think I was just talking my own. Let's look at Matthew 12, 48 to 49. And when Matthew, Matthew 12, 48 to, 48 to 49, Jesus asked, okay, of course, they were asking Jesus, where, where, where are, where is your mother, where is your brother? He said, who is my mother? Who, who are my brothers? And he pointed, then he pointed to his disciples and said, Look, these are my mother and my brothers. All right, I believe we've, we've dwelt on that already. Just seeing how Jesus puts these relationships, he was able to prioritize, he was able to balance. Because this is the same Jesus uh, when his parents are looking for him, he knew how to manage those relationships. Right? What did he say? He says, don't you know I must be about my father's business? But what does the next verse say? He obeyed them and followed them. Right? So balance. Hmm. Let's look at Luke eleven twenty-seven. It's a blessed and it happened as he spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. 28. But he said, More than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Oh boy. Savage Jesus. <laughs> Man, this thing, even this thing is touching me as I'm saying it. The mother of God is an obedient Christian. The one who would hear the word of God and keep it. Single or married. Take a deep breath and reorder your words. Let's, let's look at Mark 10, 29 to 30. Let's keep first things first. That's what this message is about. Let's keep our priorities, our priorities. And just answered and said, Surely I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or fathers or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. Who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, fathers and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. Amen. Hallelujah. So, today I urge you that we renounce whatever wrong priorities and primacy of natural relationships that we have placed over our relationship with God. Our relationship that we have connected with with being in Christ. So I will give you the last, the four summaries I gave you at the beginning as the last thing I will give you again at the end.
And I'm sure this time it will make more sense to us. Number one, that the family of God grows not by propagation through sexual intercourse or biological reproduction, but through regeneration, through faith in Christ. Number two, that relationships in Christ are more permanent and are more precious than relationships in families. That relationships, that marriage is temporal and finally gives way to the relationship to which it was pointing all along to, which is Christ and the church. The way a picture is no longer needed when you see face to face. Number four, that the faithfulness to Christ, faithfulness to Christ, defines the value of life. All other relationships get their final significance from this. No family relationship is ultimate. Relationship to Christ is. What this is saying is that every relationship we have must get its definition, must get its leading, must get its guidance, must get its inspiration. And this is why we say that the gospel is not just the message. It is the approach to every area of our lives. So that in the office, in your neighborhood, in your marriage, your relationship is fueled by your relationship with Christ. Do you hear me? I got one revelation of the cross one time. We talked about the, the cross is horizon, horizontal. What is horizontal? Horizontal is like this. Horizontal and vertical. And the vertical speaks of your relationship with Christ and with God. And the horizontal speaks of your relationship with men. And the horizontal part of the cross depends, stands, strengthening its height is based on that vertical part of the cross. And that's how it is for us. That we fuel, we inspire, we decide, we make decisions in our lives, who will marry, uh, where we will work, the kind of things we would do based on this vertical relationship that fuels the rest of our lives. Amen. Amen. I hope I've been able to make you know that marriage is good for you. <laughs> Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we give you praise. Come on, just, just pray. Let's bow our heads. Bow our heads. I want, I want us to pray and say, Father, I pray you help me to reorder my relationships. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. And for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj.